everyone. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to another edition of the Wealth Guardians Radio Show. I'm your host this week, Bryce Payne, not Doug Ray, and I appreciate you spending some of your holiday weekend with us. JB's joining me in the studio today. Happy holidays, JB. How you doing? I'm doing great, Bryce. Happy holidays to you and your entire family. Thank you very much. So, JB, on, on a scale of uh, bah humbug to ho ho ho, how <laughs> how merry are you this weekend? Well, you know, each each week as we uh, you know get closer to the big day, and then thereafter. Um, I'm pretty well ramped up right now. I'm almost, I, I would say, a good seven and a half to eight right so now. Closer to the ho-ho-ho yeah, side. I'm, I'm really, right. you know, you, if you would have asked me last week, it <laughs> three or bah. four, you know, but bah, but bah. No, I'm pushing a strong eight right now. Excellent. Very good. Glad to hear it. All right, folks, for those of you who don't know, my name is Bryce Payne. I'm the investment advisor representative for the Wealth Guardians and the Ray Financial Group. The Wealth Guardians is a professional independent firm working with pre-retirees and retirees in all areas of retirement and estate planning, including the areas of wealth management and preservation, asset protection, tax reduction, wealth transfer and distribution, as well as income planning. Most importantly, we are fiduciaries with a fiduciary duty. We have offices in Charlotte and right here in the triad in Clemens, and we can be reached at 336-391-3409 or via our website, www.thewealthguardians.com. Now, before we get started, uh, this is a holiday weekend. I just wanted to take a moment and uh, give an extended thank you, not just to our servicemen and women out there, but the families of our servicemen and women, the uh, mothers and fathers, the brothers and sisters, the spouses, and the uh, children of those who are not able to be home this weekend um, this week, this holiday season, I know that's tough. I've had a father who was not there during the holidays. Doug has not always been able to be there um, during the holidays when he served. So if you're out there listening, uh, you are in our thoughts. We're thinking of you, and we hope you have the, uh, the best holiday season that you can have uh, with those circumstances. So uh, having said that, uh, let's go ahead and get started here. JB, what do we got? Well, we'd like to welcome everybody to the show. And of course, it's that time of the month. You have asked the questions, we've got the answers. Once a month, we get to answer a lot of great questions from the listeners right here on the radio show. Now, we have some very good questions to answer, many of them regarding retirement savings plans, contributions, and deadlines now that we are so close to the end of the year. So let's go ahead and get started with those questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Well, Bryce, our first one comes in from Sam. Hey, Sam. And he says uh, he has a very good and complex question. So let's break it down. You're going to start me right off on the bat with the um, We're going to start ones. off with a, with a really tough pop quiz. So oh, here we go. Let's see if I can handle this. He says, uh, I am 72 years old, and I own several different types of retirement savings plans, including a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, a SEP IRA, and an old 401k plan. Now, I still make money via the small business that I own. And Sam writes in, can I continue to contribute to one of my retirement savings plans? Do I have to take money out of these plans since I am still working? And I can't seem to find a straight answer to this question. Thank you, Sam. All right. Well, happy holidays, Sam. Thanks for uh, sending us a a complex question. Thank you, JB, for uh, hitting me right up uh, front with it. (laughs) Um, Sam, I I think the reason that you're having difficulty finding the proper answer is because this answer is complex and is different for each type of plan. Uh, And it becomes even more complex when you're past the age of 70 and a half as you are. So let's see if we can answer this. After the age of 70 and a half, some types of retirement savings plans will prohibit future contributions while others are going to allow that. 
And on top of that, these required minimum distributions that you're asking about, they come into play for most plans at your age, but not all of them. Mm. So, uh, of course, you have to get this right because penalties are pretty steep if you don't. So you can no longer make contributions to a traditional IRA once you reach the calendar year that you turn age 70 and a half. So it's not once you turn 70 and a half, it's once you reach the calendar year that you turn age 70 and a half. So you got to do some math there. And Sam, since you're 72, you cannot contribute to your traditional IRA anymore. However, since you do have earned income, you can contribute to your Roth IRA as well as your SEP IRA. Now, you cannot contribute to your old 401k plan since you're no longer employed there. But if you were, then you could contribute to that past the age of 70 and a half as well. Now, as far as your required minimum distributions go, this, again, is going to vary by the plan. You have to meet your RMD for your traditional IRA. You also have to take money out of your SEP IRA to meet that RMD, even though you're still allowed to contribute to that plan since you have the earned income. Let's see here. You also have to take an RMD from your 401k plan since you are not working there anymore. The only plan that doesn't have an RMD requirement is your Roth IRA. So no money is required to come out of that. So, Sam, in your specific situation, as odd as this is going to sound, you can have both money going in and money coming out of your retirement savings plans. So this is a little different than most situations. And in your situation, you can contribute money in, but you also have to take the money out. I know it's very confusing to a lot of people. And even to make matters more confusing, there are different deadlines for contributions and withdrawals for each of these plans. So, of course, you have to get all this right just in order to avoid those steep penalties. So I'm going to advise, Sam, that you get some professional retirement planning help, if not from us, from somebody, because you've got a complex situation. All right. All right, Bryce. Well, we've got another question in, and it's from Charles. And Charles writes in. It says, hello, Bryce. My spouse just turned 70 on June 20th of this year. So she will be 70 and a half in a few days and has a required minimum distribution to meet for this year. However, we do not need the money. Now, okay. I think I think we heard you correctly on a previous show saying that we can donate that RMD directly to charity yeah. and not have to claim it as income. So what are the timing rules for this? Can we do it now? Can we wait until next year? Please advise. Thank you, Charles. So that's a great question. All right, Charles. Again, happy holidays. And yeah, everyone's got these questions about these uh, end-of-year deadline RMDs and whatnot. So um, Charles, again, your question is complex, just like Sam's was. In our opinion, the qualified charitable distribution that you're talking about, that you heard us talk about the other week, we'll call it a QCD for short. Um, This is one of the greatest benefits in the Internal Revenue Code right now. I just got done uh, schooling my mom on this. Because basically, it allows people age 70 and a half and older to give their RMD to charity. And if you do it the right way, then the money will not count as income, so they don't have to pay taxes on it. Mm. Plus, it satisfies that RMD, uh, the, the required minimum distribution. So it's one way to get around the RMD without having to pay tax on it, while also satisfying your charitable desires as well. And if you do it this way, basically, you're saving tax dollars. And who doesn't want to do that, right? Right. Whereas if, if you do it the normal way, giving money out of your checking account each week, then in most circumstances with this new tax code in place, you're not going to get any benefit out of, out of it at all. So this is why the QCD is such a big thing right now. Now, in order for it to work, there's a, a couple of strict rules and guidelines that I want to talk to you about. And if these are not met, then you're doing this in vain. It's not going to work. So here's your answer, Charles. Actually, you have two different things that you have to understand. First, let's address uh, your spouse's RMD. 
since she turns 70 and a half this year, this will be her required minimum distribution uh, a year. And for the initial RMD, she can either take the RMD this year when she turns 70 and a half, or she can delay her first RMD up until April 1st of next year. So if she elects to delay her first RMD until 2019, she must take two RMDs in 2019, if you're following me. And these RMDs, which are delayed from 2018 and the 2019 RMD. Now, as for the qualified charitable distribution, QCDs can only be completed after a person turns 70 and a half, not just in the year they turn 70 and a half, like an RMD. So in addition, a QCD must be completed in the year the account owner wishes to leverage that tax benefit. So this means if your wife wants to do a QCD for 2018, then she will need to complete this after she turns 70 and a half, which for your wife, that's not going to be until December 20th. So that gives her only 11 days to get this done. Now, if your wife elects to delay her initial RMD until April 1st, 2019, she's going to lose the ability to offset it with a QCD for this year, 2018. Right. However, what she can do is use a 2019 QCD to offset the delayed 2018 RMD if she wants to delay her first RMD until next year. She then can do another QCD later in the year to offset her 2019 RMD. Now, both QCDs will apply to your 2019 tax return, and both QCDs could be used to satisfy both years' RMDs and not count as taxable income as long as her RMDs this is new, as long as her RMDs are 100,000 or less because QCDs are capped at 100,000 per person per year. So Charles, that's a great question. I, I really tried to make it as uncomplex as I could, but you get the picture that it is not always easy to make uh, IRS and, and all of this <laughs> is sound easy. So I apologize if, uh, if that was more complicated than it needed to be. Great information there, Bryce. And speaking of QCDs, we also have a specific question regarding a QCD that has already been done for this year. So, okay. And it comes in from Dave, and it says, Hi, Bryce. I completed a QCD earlier this year to satisfy part of my RMD. Per the rules, the money was sent directly from my IRA custodial okay. to the church, All right. of his church, I should say. However, the custodian did not put anything on the check or disclose to my church who the money came from. Mm-hmm. So my church just received a check from my IRA custodian, and again, with no information on who it was from. So luckily, we told our church what we were doing, so they were able to figure out that the check, uh, what it was. However, this could have been a big problem. Yeah. Uh, are custodians not supposed to put on the check who the money came from? In addition, do we need to file a form with our taxes uh, from our church showing that we did a QCD? Oh, that's, a, that's a great question, yeah. Dave. Uh, we're getting into the details here, but it, it's certainly relevant. There are many questions regarding tax reporting procedures and requirements regarding these QCDs. Now, currently, IRA custodians are not required to specifically identify the QCD on your annual 1099-R form. Uh, nor be descriptive on the check to your charity. So a lot of the responsibility is on the person making the QCD to be that informant So uh, bo- to both your charity and your tax preparer. Specifically, you need to inform your tax preparer that you performed a QCD. If you don't let your tax preparer know, they will likely report this transaction as fully taxable, which would negate the benefit of your smart planning. Now, if you do your own taxes to report a qualified charitable distribution on your Form 1040 tax return, you generally report the full amount of the charitable distribution on the line for IRA distributions. 
then on the line for the taxable amount, enter zero if the full amount was a qualified charitable distribution and in our QCD next to this line. JB's point, I mean, that we're getting out of time. Again, you need to tell your charities to look out for the check. They need to know who it's from because you'll need a receipt from them acknowledging your QCD. All righty. Well, I'll tell you what, this is a great stopping point. want to remind everybody, you're listening to the Wealth Guardians radio show heard right here on 94.5 WPTI. We appreciate you being with us. Remember the number you can reach us at. 391-3409 or the website at thewealthguardians.com. Stay tuned because we've got more questions to get to, including one from a very sly character who thinks he might have found a way out of taking a required minimum distribution. So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Wealth Guardians radio show, where we tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear. Right in the middle of our question and answer show for December. So let's continue. We've got another question in from Jeannie. And Jeannie writes in, it says, hello, Bryce. Both my husband and myself, were in our mid-60s and we have been retired from our full-time jobs. However, we still work part-time at kind of fun jobs. Nice. My husband works for a golf course. That's great. Yeah. Makes about $20,000 per year. And I do some consulting work, and but I only make about $4,000. Now, I want to contribute to my IRA this year. Can I contribute the max, which is Mm $6,500, or can I only contribute up to what I make, which is $4,000? Thank you, Jeannie. All right. Hello, Jeannie. Happy holidays to you and your uh, lucky husband there who gets to uh, play golf for $20,000 a year. Uh, Another good and timely question. Now, since you both are uh, 50 years or older and have earned income, you both can contribute the max of 6500 to your IRA account for 2018. If your husband doesn't want to contribute based on the IRS rules, you can still contribute the max of 6500 to your account since your combined income is at least that, 6500 In fact, you could still do this even if you did not make any money and only your husband had the earned income. Hmm. Now, this, I, this is really confusing to a lot of people, but this is the way the IRS rules are set up, if you can imagine the IRS being confusing. No. <laughs> For married couples, only one person has to have earned income for both spouses to be able to contribute to an IRA or Roth. So in your case, because your combined income is above 6500 you are allowed to contribute 6500 no matter who made the money. Now, per our answer earlier, if you were listening, if either you or your spouse continues to work beyond 70 and a half, then at that point, you will no longer be able to contribute to your traditional IRA. However, if you continue to have a modified adjusted gross income below the set limits, which you currently do, you would still be allowed to contribute to your Roth IRA. So once again, you, once, you, once you reach that age 70 and a half, if you want to continue to be able to contribute to a plan, you can do it through a Roth IRA at that point. All righty. Well, we've got another question in. Uh, Al's writing in. Happy holidays, Al. It says, hey, Bryce, thanks for your expertise on retirement matters. I have a buddy who thinks he's found a way around taking his required minimum distribution. Now, he is claiming that if he withdraws his IRA in December, holds the money until January, then rolls the IRA back into the IRA within 30 days, (laughs) he will not have an RMD due each year since the RMD amount is based on the December 31st prior year (laughs) in balance. Since the money would not technically be in an IRA December 31st, then there is no money in an IRA to calculate the RMD. Will this work? Thanks, All right. Al. Well, like I said, Al, happy holidays. Um, I do hope your friend does not do this as it's not going to work. Uh, sorry for the bad news. Uh-oh. He would get an, he would end up getting hit with a lot of penalties. Now, missing an RMD or not meeting the correct amount subjects a person to a 50% 
penalty. Mm. That's that's about as steep of a penalty as you find out there. So now while this move by your friend sounds creative and a bit like a sly move, again, it's not going to work because the IRS has this covered. As smart as your friend is, he is not the first person to have thought of this. The IRS requires anyone to adjust their December 31st prior year end balance to include any outstanding rollovers or transfers. Mm. So if your friend does this, he will still have an RMD due because the RMD balance will still be an amount that is in limbo. So even if he takes the money out, it will still count as a December 31st balance because it is between the plans. And as I said, unfortunately, this has been tried before and it doesn't work. But tell your friend, (laughs) nice try. Uh, There's nothing wrong with trying to get out of an RMD, but you got to do it legally. And this is not one of those legal ways. Yes, Al, do not follow your friend's advice, okay? All right, Bryce, we got another question, and uh, this time it comes in from Martha. Happy holidays, Martha. Martha writes in and says, Hi, Bryce. Says, my husband and I inherited an IRA from my mother last year. Okay. Now, we're only in her 50s, but she was in her 70s when she uh-huh. passed away. Okay. Do we have to meet an RMD on this money since we are not past the age of 70 and a half? Thank you, Martha. All right, Martha, another great question. This is, this is relevant for a lot of people out there. And uh, short answer is yes, you do. Um, I assume that you established what is called an inherited IRA, and that way you didn't have to pay tax on the whole thing at once when you inherited the money. Now, an inherited IRA is a great tool as long as you get it done in time, but inherited IRAs have RMD rules just like your own IRA. Basically, you, you go to the life expectancy tables in the Internal Revenue Code, and based upon the age of the owner of the inherited IRA, that'd be you, mm-hmm. you calculate what your RMD is. And based on your age from that appropriate table, you have to take this RMD by the end of this year. It shouldn't be a lot of money, but again, you're required to take money out of an inherited IRA each year by the end of the year. So make sure you get this done. All righty. We got another question in, this time from Janine. And Janine writes in and says, hello, my mother recently passed away and I just found out that I was named as her beneficiary in her traditional IRA and her life insurance policy. Will either of these be taxable to me? Thank you. Janine, simple question, but a lot of people don't know the answer. Yeah, that's very true. And Janine, sorry for your loss there, and thank you for sending us your question. Um, The answer to to this question, in all probability, is that one asset is taxable and one is not. So we've talked about several times in the past on this show, the different types of retirement assets have different tax rules when they're inherited, etc. Now, some types of assets that are inherited are completely tax-free, and some are partially taxable, and some are completely taxable. So you need to understand the difference between them because there are responsibilities and requirements that you're going to have to meet for the assets that are taxable. So in your case, let's start with the traditional IRA. This is a fully taxable account that you're going to have to pay taxes on. If you don't want to pay taxes on the whole thing in the year that you inherit an IRA, then you can establish what is called an inherited IRA. Now, depending on when your mother passed away, if you do this within the right amount of time and you follow those correct procedures, the good news is that you can prevent this traditional IRA from being fully taxable to you at all in this year. So many times people inherit traditional IRAs that are pretty large in value, and obviously if they're fully taxable to them in the year that they inherit them, that income is added to their other income. And this is going to throw a lot of people into a very high tax bracket or even the highest tax bracket. So many times people want to establish an inherited IRA to prevent this. But again, it doesn't prevent you from having to pay tax on it. It just prevents it from being taxed all in one year. 
Now, you will be required to take out a required minimum distribution each year and pay tax on a small portion of what going forward. Now, an inherited IRA generally doesn't have any rules as far as the limitations on how much you can withdraw. So you still have complete control and can draw money out as you need it. And you will pay taxes on that amount at that time. The benefit of the inherited IRA is that it allows you to prevent paying taxes on the full amount all at once when you don't necessarily need all the money at once or you you don't want to pay tax on the whole thing at once. So an inherited IRA is an outstanding tool because it puts you in control of those taxes. You can pick and choose when to take money out of the account and pay taxes on the money at that time. So I certainly would encourage you to establish an inherited IRA with that traditional IRA. Now for the life insurance policy, generally speaking, most life insurance policies are tax-free inheritances and probate-free as well. So with life insurance proceeds, you will generally not have to claim that as income and it will be tax-free benefit to you. Now, that was a great question. If you need help with this, or feel free to reach out to us. Our toll-free number is 336-391-3409. All right, Bryce, and we're almost out of time, but I think that uh, you mentioned before the show that you would like to use this time for a very important reminder to everyone. Is that right? Yeah, thanks, JB. Uh, Instead of getting to the last couple of questions here, uh, I felt it was more important to remind everyone about some very important critical deadlines that are coming by the end of the year. Uh, Since we're basically in mid-December, there are very few days left in the year, especially business days, to be able to get things done since Christmas and New Year's fall in the middle of the week this year. So you have to make sure your retirement planning moves done quickly so everything can be processed and satisfied by its end-of-year deadline. And there's four specific things I wanted to remind everybody about. If your goal or desire is to max out your retirement savings plan contributions through your employer-based plans, such as your 401ks, your 403bs, etc., your contributions have to be done by the end of the year. So company-sponsored retirement plans have year-end deadlines for contributions to those plans. Remember, as we said a few weeks ago, for traditional or Roth IRAs, you have up until mid-April of next year to contribute for the 2018 tax year. So you still have some time for those plans. But for your company-sponsored retirement plans, you don't. Those have to be done by the end of the year. So if you're 50 years or older in 2018, you can get up to 24500 in those plans. If you're under the age of 50, then the limit is 18500 So again, if you haven't maxed that out and you want to, there is still time to do it, but you still have to act very quickly to get it done. So please pay attention to this. Number two, the second thing that you make sure you do is if you want to make any Roth conversions for 2018, you must have them done by the end of this year. Most people don't know this, but right now we have a new tax code in place for 2018 going forward. Many people don't know what the benefits of this year will be yet because they will not be doing their tax returns for 2018 until next year. We are at one of the lowest historic points ever in the tax code. So what you want to do if you have the opportunity is to do Roth conversions to get some taxes paid on your pre-tax money at a very low tax bracket. This tax code is set to expire in 2024 or 2025, so you may want to take advantage of a lower tax bracket right now by doing a conversion. But if you want to do a Roth conversion for 2018, it has to be done by the end of this year to count for 2018. Plus, you need to give your IRA custodian a few days to get it done on top of that, so you have to act real quick now. The third thing is to take your required minimum distribution Again, the deadline is the end of the year for any RMDs if you are 70 and a half or older. If you don't meet this requirement or don't take enough out, 
there will be a 50% penalty assessed to you. That can be huge and expensive, obviously. So make sure you get those RMDs done. Fourth, and finally, if you have a flexible spending account in FSA, you may have to use it or lose it. You must use the money in your FSA before the plan year is over. Otherwise, you will see any remaining funds simply disappear. But there may be a couple of exceptions to this if your employer offers them. So you have to check with your employer. Generally speaking, though, you have to use them up by the end of the year. So again, pay attention to these deadlines, folks. Now, we appreciate you spending some of your time with us today, folks. You know, if any of these questions uh, caught you off guard and you thought, well, I'm approaching retirement, I'm in retirement, and I didn't think about these questions, it sounds like you might need a financial planner. If you need a financial planner, please consider us. We'll take a look at your current portfolio, provide a fund analysis, a fee analysis, a risk analysis. We analyze your projected income and taxes through retirement. We provide a full comprehensive written plan so you're not left to guess and wonder about all these questions you heard today and all these topics that you heard everyone pondering today. You can reach us at 336-391-3409 or at our website, www.thewealthguardians.com. Happy holidays, everybody. The information provided is for educational purposes only and not intended as investment advice for any individual or entity. All information contained herein is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. The views presented today are those of Wealth Guardians and do not necessarily represent the views of the Alpha Star Capital Management. The opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not constitute financial, legal, or tax advice. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income refer only to fixed insurance products offered by Wealth Guardians. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Please consult your financial professional before executing any financial strategy. Investment advisory services offered through AlphaStar Capital Management, a registered investment advisor. AlphaStar and Wealth Guardians are independent entities.